This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, February 16th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Youth Center moves forward, finally. Town pays off Valley Floor in full. Comedy Fest brings the laughs. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, Telluride lost a member of its community this week. George Jones was found dead in his Wilson Mesa home on Wednesday morning. He was 79 years old. The San Miguel County Coroner's Office notes Jones was a successful businessman, philanthropist, photographer, and lover of the San Juan Mountains. The cause and manner of death is under investigation. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. Jones is survived by his daughters Jordan and Sarah and his wife, Kathy. A youth hangout center, nearly 40 years in the making, is finally coming to fruition. I think the the first uh, letter to the editor was in 1984 uh, with the concept of this kind of a project. So if you're in high school in 1984, you're nearing 60 years old, as my math uh, calculates, and have been waiting for a project like this. That's Telluride Town Manager Scott Robson presenting before an intergovernmental meeting this week. The town of Telluride has budgeted for a youth hangout space as part of a renovation and rebuild of the warming hut in Town Park. It is a really conceptualizes a space that um, is going to be safe for our kids to participate in workshops uh, or socialize throughout the summer in the evenings and the weekends. Really a seven day a week um, potential. Uh, and I think first and foremost, it's a place for youth to go in between uh, the end of school and after-school programs um, to really, again, study and socialize in a safe environment. The hangout space would be on top of the warming hut, consisting of two rooms and an office. The warming hut below would include bathrooms, a washstand, and electrical infrastructure for other uses in the park. The youth hangout space was identified by Telluride Town Council and the Parks and Recreation Commission as a priority in the most recent Town Park Master Plan. With recent data from the Healthy Kids Colorado survey, Ben Marshall with Communities That Care Coalition, a leader on the project, says a safe youth hangout space is a need in the community. The Healthy Kids Colorado survey data shows that we are well above uh, the state average in um, bullying. Um, We have um, an increase in suicidal ideation among both middle school and high school students. Um, Our alcohol use is uh, students in the high school binge drink three times more than the state average. Um, Same with marijuana use, almost three times as many Telluride students using marijuana than on average across the state. And then we also see something very similar with tobacco usage above the state average for both smoking and vaping related products. Um, So these are really the things that we're targeting here with a communal space to gather, develop programming, host events, and provide an alternative to substance use um, in a safe and healthy substance-free space. We hope we can alleviate some of these stressors and provide alternative options for youth. Robson adds, aside from the space itself, the youth center will also allow young people to engage with the park and community in different ways. Being located in really what we consider a world-class park, Um, Having a youth center there is really going to help them connect with regional facilities and programs nearby. And uh, the youth center would even uh, programmatically be open during uh, special events, festivals, and really give them 
uh, kids an opportunity to be in the vicinity of, of the big events, but not necessarily be immersed in uh, all that goes along uh, with events and some of those adult uh, activities, if you will. Alexa Calvo, a sophomore in Telluride and intern with Communities That Care, adds the center will allow students a safe and fun space to stay in town between finishing school and heading home with their parents. Most kids from this school honestly come from out of town. And me being one of those, I think it's important to have a space for kids to go after school that opens late because some parents get out of work super late. So I think it's very important because of that. In terms of what programming would look like, that's still to be determined. The town plans to own the space but lease it to a nonprofit organization, which would be in charge of staffing and program development. Marshall says there will be supervision from adults during the programming, but adds it's important for the center as a whole to be youth run. Um, what it's really based on is that upperclassmen could have kind of a supervisory role to kind of integrate those relationships with lowerclassmen, so to speak, and kind of build that next generation into a leadership role and really have the pro-social involvement piece to really mentor other youth. Town Council budgeted nearly $3 million to construct the youth center and warming hut, but is looking for $1 million from external entities, either governments, organizations, or grants. The town of Telluride is currently accepting bids for construction on the project, with the aim of beginning construction in the spring of 2023. Members of Town Council were not exactly popping champagne at their meeting earlier this week, but they did stop to recognize a substantial milestone. Here's town manager Scott Robson. You know, I think a celebration is in order uh, very soon here in that uh, later this month, we will um, have allocated our uh, final uh, payments towards the last uh, bond paying off the valley floor, which, as we recall, going back 30 years was almost a $50 million uh, acquisition. Paying off the bond on the valley floor marks the end of a 30-year effort. Back in the early 90s, Telluride voters pledged to set aside, each budget year, 20% of the town's real estate transfer tax, as well as 20% of revenue from business licenses, property taxes, and vehicle licenses, to go towards open space preservation. Carving out such a substantial chunk of money, Robson says, was a bold move at the time, and it has allowed this community to, um, to acquire and maintain some of the most uh, really iconic uh, parcels of land uh, that we think about both locally and nationally. That's the, the Valley Floor, Bear Creek. Now, with the bond on the Valley Floor paid off, Telluride has another cause for celebration. That money could be freed up for other town projects. The 20% mandate in a normal budget year is estimated to be around $3 million. Robson poses the question at hand to town council. Are there other uh, uses for a portion of that 20% uh, open space mandate, given where we're at as a community, uh, whether that be related to uh, wastewater treatment, plant needs, infrastructure, um, housing, uh, everything else in between? Council members pretty much unanimously say yes, they would like to reallocate some of those funds towards other projects. Members also agree, however, they would like to see funding for open space continue. Money from the 20% mandate currently also funds projects such as trail maintenance, valley floor grooming, river restoration, and much else. Chair of the Open Space Commission, Angela Dye, asks council to consider the commission's ongoing needs. But we do see some real needs coming up 
we want to be able to convey those to you in a in a realistic way and make sure that you don't forget about the valley floor and conservation and and uh, Bear Creek and the obligations that the public has set forth as very important priorities. Council member Jesse Ray Arguez, council's liaison to the Open Space Committee, says efforts have been so focused on valley floor payments, other needs and desires haven't been addressed. There's a lot of things on the back burner that we wanted to, we want to do that we haven't even monetized yet because the the goal was to pay off the valley floor. So it really needs to go back to open space to have a detailed projection for a few years before any decisions are made. Arguez notes back in 1994, it was town voters who made the decision to set aside the funds. She says council could again turn to voters to see what they think of the fund's future. The Open Space Committee will meet in early March to discuss their own funding needs and estimates moving forward. Council will hold off on making decisions about how much funding to reallocate until they hear back from Open Space. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the Telluride Comedy Festival, the 23rd Annual Celebrations of All Things Laughter and Giggle Related returns to the Sheridan Opera House over President's Day weekend. Performers include Aristotle Athari, Tim Baltz, Colton Dunn, Brian Husky, Seth Morris, Jason Manzoukas, June Diane Raphael, Paul Shear, Beth Sterling, and Telluride's own Lily Sullivan. KOTO News caught up with Comedy Fest organizer Jeb Barrier about this year's festival. Jeb Barrier, thanks for being here to talk Comedy Fest. Well, thank you so much. This is what? So we have Bluegrass is its 50th year, Film Fest is its 50th year, but Mm -hmm. the Comedy Festival, 23rd annual Comedy Festival. That sounds right. Is the talk of the town. It's the festival that everyone cares about this year. I'm so happy that people care about it. You know, it's like... um, it's kind of this little gem that we plucked right into the middle of winter. Yeah. And I feel like it's a good time, well-timed event for people. You know, you get through the holidays, you get through the darkest part of the year. And it's right around now that it starts to get a little sunnier. You start to get a little more snow. And then you get comedy. Yeah. So it's kind of a nice celebration, midwinter release. Yeah, I think so. So you... Start off with Locals Night, which is already sold out, so mm-hmm. can't get your tickets for that one. Sorry. But each night kind of has a different um, a vibe, a different um, theme-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit of what can folks expect from the weekend of comedy this year? Well, Locals Night is sold out, so get a ticket for Friday. Friday is going to be fantastic. That's our stand-up night. So what we usually do for those who don't know or for those who forget We changed the format each night. It'll be either stand-up or it might be some kind of a set show, like a sketch comedy show. We'll take a break and then it will be improv. So Friday will be stand-up with Beth Stelling, who is phenomenal. She she was here last year. She has a new stand-up special. She's excited to come back. She had a great time. Opening for her is Aristotle Athari, who was on SNL. And then we'll also have improv. And then Saturday, we have kind of a thing that I've sort of been hoping we would get over the years because Jason and Paul and Paul's wife, June Diane Raphael, do this hugely popular podcast called How Did This Get Made? Where they watch, uh, they have everybody watch a bad movie and then they just tear it apart and they'll play scenes, you know, and they'll make fun of it. And it's 
Very funny, very fun. They're going to do a scaled-down version of that on Saturday. Sunday night, we're going to do some more stand-up with Beth and Aristotle, and then it's just going to be kind of a variety show of characters, sketch, and then a final improv. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it both in terms of the folks who come here love this place and also maybe don't get to perform in this kind of maybe more intimate with each other space as often anymore. Right. But why do you think that Comedy Fest here is special? And like, what is it that makes people want to keep coming back and, and play in this in this comedy festival? I think it's probably different a little bit for who, for different people. But a lot, I mean, honestly, a lot of it's Telluride. They've been coming here. Some of these guys have been coming here for almost 20 years. And they love to ski, you know. Uh, I don't know. It's just a special place. I think, like we were talking about, if you live here, sometimes when you live here, as I have for many years, you get sort of caught up in the day-to-day. And sometimes I used to forget, you know, how special it is. And even with things that people people gripe about and, you know, some of the challenges of living in a resort town, it still is a really special, cool place. And these guys come in and they just adore it, you know. And like I said, they love the beauty and they love the weirdness because it's a weird, it's a quirky, funky little town, right? Um, yeah. And I really do think being in the opera house, being together... You know, a lot of these guys and women have been performing together since before they were well-known. And it used to be at the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York doing a show every Saturday night together. You know, nobody's famous. People are just performing, having a great time. You're young. And I feel like that's kind of part of it, you know, is getting back together and just doing comedy for the sake of comedy. Jeb, any other thing that you think folks should know about when it comes to Comedy Fest this year or a final pitch on why folks should buy their tickets? Hmm. I just think that if you've never been, then you're going to witness something truly special and unique. The Opera House, it's 110 years old, and it's this beautiful, like, intimate theater. And you're going to get to see people that you would not get to see together like that anywhere. You know, there are 10 people coming this year who are all amazing. And so it's really like, I don't want to sound corny, but, you know, it's that lightning in a bottle thing. I mean, it's sort of putting all these people together in a really exciting place with a crowd that is just jazzed and ready for entertainment. And um, and the magic happens. The Telluride Comedy Festival kicks off with a sold-out locals' night on Thursday, February 16th, and runs through Sunday, February 19th. Tickets are available at SheridanOperaHouse.com. Telluride is billed for its Victorian Main Street full of independent shops, with nary a national chain in sight. Despite all the small businesses, there's no chamber of commerce here. At town council this week, town manager Scott Robson floated the idea of convening an economic advisory panel made up of local business leaders, which town could turn to when addressing Telluride-specific economic needs. Robson gives a sketch of what the panel might entail. This would be uh, really just an economic advisory uh, group to the manager's office so I can, uh, again, have, have my ear to the ground on what's going on out there. 
While plans are still tentative, the council responds positively. Councilmember Adrian Christie says town should think carefully when convening the panel and try to represent all views. Making sure that it's not just like business owners, that, that there's like some workforce elements to that a little bit. So because um, I think the experience of business owners is often different than that of the workforce in relation to the economy and their experience in our town. Robson added the panel's members could rotate frequently and come from across the community, from retail and restaurants to banking, real estate and hotel management. Robson says he will be in touch with the council as plans move forward. This summer, the ahahaha took Telluride by storm. Now, this Valentine's week, the AHA school is staging its winter fundraiser, the Art Throb. Billed as a cocktail party full of original and interactive artworks, nostalgia-themed bites and drinks, and a dance party playlist, all ticket proceeds will go to benefit the AHA's visual arts programming. The party kicks off at 6 p.m. on Saturday, February 18th at the AHA School for the Arts. Tickets are available at aha.org. The avalanche is coming to Telluride, but not in a snowslide kind of way. This weekend, the Telluride Lizard Head Hockey Club will be hosting an avalanche alumni weekend with former players of Colorado's own avalanche hockey team, including John Michael Lyles, Kyle Quincy, Rick Berry, Darwin McCutcheon, and more. The weekend will be full of youth clinics, a pond hockey tournament, and games against the Avs. Proceeds from the fundraiser weekend will go back towards Lizard Head Hockey. The Avalanche Alumni Weekend will take place, for the most part, at the Hanley Ice Rink, February 18th through 20th. Registration for the events is at telluridehockey.com. Local governments may soon be able to impose rent control. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports on an effort from state lawmakers to make housing more affordable. Government rent control on residential housing or rent stabilization is currently not allowed under Colorado law. A new bill would change that, allowing counties and municipalities to impose rent control ordinances to keep prices down. Bill sponsor Representative Elizabeth Velasco says high rents are forcing Coloradans to relocate far away from their jobs and communities. She says the bill is about giving local governments the ability to fight that trend. People need relief immediately, and far more people need relief than we currently have plans to help. Local rent stabilization will add a tool to the toolbox to let local communities solve this urgent problem. But critics are concerned rent control measures will drive away developers and hamper the construction of new housing. The bill passed the Transportation, Housing and Local Government Committee and heads to the House for a preliminary vote. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. Colorado Parks and Wildlife recently identified several cases of highly pathogenic avian influenza in free-ranging wildlife, including a black bear in Huerfano County and a mountain lion in Gunnison County. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Lisa Young spoke with John Livingston, a spokesperson for CPW, on the virus found in a mountain lion near Gunnison. The presence of highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI, found in a deceased mountain lion near Gunnison was confirmed in a lab at Colorado State University, as well as the National Veterinarian Services Lab in Ames, Iowa. This Gunnison mountain lion was found dead just outside of city limits on January 15th 
and this is an area where we frequently do see mountain lion activity. That's John Livingston, spokesperson for Southwestern CPW. The mountain lion had necrosis in the liver and uh, pneumonia, which had been seen in domestic cats that had HPAI. So our staff thought they should send it in for testing. CPW is conducting a mountain lion density study across the Gunnison area. As part of this project, mountain lions receive a collar with GPS technology. Signals are used to understand how many lions are in the area. In addition, the tracking collars can also produce mortality signals when a mountain lion dies. That's what we got with this lion in this case. So our staff went out to kind of assess the condition of the dead mountain lion um, and decided that they should send it in for HPAI testing. Uh, We have seen a number of mammalian wildlife species across the country test positive, including skunks, foxes, black bears, bobcats, coyotes, and raccoons, among a lot of others that we do see uh, in Colorado. While Livingston says it's not super common to see mammal HPAI cases, animals typically become infected by feeding on wild birds that are sick or have died of avian influenza. It is important to note that not every uh, mammal that does consume a sick bird will develop uh, symptoms or or be infected with HPAI. This is primarily a a disease that's affecting wild and domestic bird populations, including thousands of wild birds in the United States and Colorado. The first confirmed Colorado case of HPAI was found in a wild goose in northeast Colorado in March of 2022. The disease has since been found in all four major migratory flyways in North America. The bird flu was detected last month in the geese population at Confluence Park in Delta, Colorado. Livingston says the avian flu is expected to continue through the spring migration. He says people need to remember that the virus is first and foremost a disease among bird species, and while it's unlikely to transmit to mammals, wherever waterfowl can be found, HPAI is expected to be present. The number of mammal cases are currently low, and the majority of cases confirmed during this uh, HPAI outbreak are in wild and domestic birds. The most commonly affected birds in Colorado have been geese, as well as a few raptors and other scavenging birds that eat goose carcasses. CPW stresses the importance of keeping your pets and yourself away from wildlife and not handling sick or dead birds. Although rare, some HPAI strains can infect people. More information on the virus can be found on the Centers for Disease Control's website at cdc.gov. For KVNF, and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Lisa Young. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low around zero degrees. Friday calls for sun and a high near 40, and Friday night calls for mostly cloudy skies with a low around 15. Saturday should be sunny with a high near 40 degrees, and Saturday night calls for cloudy skies with a low near 20. This has been the news for Thursday, February 16th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. This Sunday, February 19th, Mountain Film's annual Winter Shorts fundraiser returns to the Palm Theater. The event will showcase some of our favorite adventure films from the 2022 festival, a silent auction with items from the North Face, Wagner Skis, Alpaca Raft, ice climbing with Mountain Trip, and more. Beer from Telluride Brewing Company, wine, and classic concessions will be available. 
Doors are at 5.30 p.m. and the show will begin at 6.30 p.m. Event tickets are just $25. And that's not all. Every ticket holder will have a chance to win a special door prize of one patron pass to this year's Mountain Film Festival. Tickets are available online at mountainfilm.org or you can purchase at the door. Come show your love for Mountain Film with your friends and family this weekend. We look forward to seeing you and celebrating the indomitable human spirit. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.